It's the month of February, it's Vision Month, and I've been reading a, uh, a dreaming statement that's really come from Pastor Danielle and my heart uh, about what we see for this church in the 20s. I wrote it on the 1st of January, 2020. I felt the Holy Spirit prompted me to write, what's the dream? What do we see? So I'm going to read it out again today. We're working on getting copies for those who want to take it, put it on your prayer wall, put it on your fridge, and agree together. But, but as I declare this today, why don't you agree if you're agree out loud, because every time we agree out loud, it pushes back uh, darkness and doubts and, and intimidation. So here we go. I see our church in a season of revival, a powerful move of God with radical salvations, healings, and young people being apprehended for the call of God, the 20s. I see extraordinary momentum with a thousand people being saved in a year and increasing until one day we see a thousand people save across a weekend. This is C3 Powerhouse in the 20s. I see us being a leadership factory, training, raising up and empowering leaders who are brilliant disciple makers. There is a multiplication of leaders of all ages who are gripped by a strong and unshakable call of God, which causes them to lay down their lives for the gospel. I see us established in our new premises on Power Road. It's a landmark facility. This will be a demonstration of God's power, a result of a series of miracles that echoes across the nations. The Lord will be glorified for doing exceedingly, abundantly above all we can ask or think. I see new church locations starting with Melbourne in 2020. In two weeks' time, we launch. I'm believing for five new church plants over the course of this decade. I see these locations supernaturally in their own buildings because we first broke through on the Sunshine Coast. I see our church filled with influencers and entrepreneurs, innovative, cutting-edge, marketplace leaders who excel in every sphere of society, government, media, sport, entertainment, education, and business. I see entrepreneurs who set the standard for business excellence, leadership, and wealth creation. I see our church consistently experiencing powerful healings. There is a breakthrough anointing on our church. People get healed in their seats during worship and watching online. People are flying in to be in our services because they've heard miracles are happening at C3 Powerhouse. And I see us being known for kindness in our community. Our reputation is for generosity, compassion, and practical help for those who are in need. I see us a haven of love, hope, and acceptance for all, radiating God's love into our community and beyond. If you believe and agree that that's C3 Powerhouse in the 20s, come on, give him some praise right now. You guys are amazing. You're amazing. You're amazing. Well, we come... Uh, to the fourth week of this series that's called Dreaming for the Decade. No, it's not. It's called Breaking Intimidation. I just, I just got so caught up in Dreaming for the Decade, I stayed there. It's called Breaking Intimidation. It's time. It's time. And so I want to give a quick recap on the last few weeks. Uh, as Teresa encouraged you, I'd love you to make sure that you uh, catch up by watching or listening to the messages. Uh, I've, I find that if you want to make a change in your life, you can't just listen and that, that's it. You've got to apply it. You've got to keep listening and keep applying. But what is intimidation? Intimidation 
is a demonic spirit and strategy that robs us of godly confidence and stops us entering into God's best for our life. It's a, I'll say it again, it's a demonic spirit and strategy that robs us of our godly confidence and stops us entering into God's best for our life. It's based on lies that we believe about God, about ourselves, and about others, lies that we believe. Those lies cause us to shrink back or disqualify ourselves when God wants to bring us into a new sphere of influence or a new level of His blessing as our Heavenly Father. And so those lies, they manifest, they come up, they, they push back on us. Uh, to break intimidation off our lives, it's not just a moment. You can have an encounter moment that will, will begin the journey or be part of the journey, but it's a, it's a, a series of moments. And I've been, um, because of my own journey and really for, for 20, over 20 years, almost since I became the senior pastor of this church, I've had to battle with intimidation of different sorts every time I've had to step into a new level of influence or blessing. And, but I found last year that I could supercharge the breakthrough by, being, by bringing a concentrated focus of four steps on a daily basis for about six months. And the breakthrough that I got was so profound, I wanted to share it with us. And I want you to go on this same journey because I want you to break intimidation. Because if you can break intimidation, you will move into a season of supernatural breakthrough in your life. So the four steps I've been talking about, the first is to recognize, recognize the lies that we believe and repent for believing them and agreeing with the lies. Okay, I'm not going to re-preach the whole series. That's just the first step. So that's a repentance. The second step is to break the chains of unforgiveness, release people from our judgment, and release the pain of past hurt that is often buried inside. That's not a moment. It's a series of moments that comes out of a decision. Usually the lies that we believe upon which the intimidation is based have been deeply embedded in our heart through wounds that we've experienced from others. So if we're going to get the lies out, we've also got to get the wounds and the pain out because they go together. This is a forgiveness journey, and that's the second step that we're doing each day, releasing people and getting to a place of freedom. You know you're free when you can pray for a certain person, and as you think of them, you're praying for blessing on them and you're smiling. Now, that does not make sense in, in your human capacity, but the Holy Spirit can help you go on that journey. He can help us go on that journey. So rather than carrying pain and judgment in our heart, we can be free and move into our future. That's the second. The third step is to discern the evil spirits in addition to the spirit of intimidation that are dominating our thoughts and our feelings, things that cause heaviness, things that cause, that, that cause us to sit back and step back, things that cause us to comfort ourselves with ungodly things because we're overwhelmed by these, these particular spirits and learn to resist them on a daily basis until we get breakthrough. And so last week I taught us a prayer, um, a couple of prayers, but one particular prayer and we're going to do it right now. Uh, and that prayer is about uh, breaking intimidation off our lives. Now give me a wave if you've been already begun to do this on a daily basis. How many people? Phenomenal. Can we put that prayer up right now? That would be fantastic. I'll, I'll say a few words. I want you to say after it. But this is not just pretend. This is powerful. Some people, even as praying this today, you're going to leave here different because something's been harassing you. So say this after me. I come against. As if you're attacking a dog that's attacking your child. Oh, come on. I come against 
the spirit of intimidation and control in the name of Jesus and I resist you off my life. Go in Jesus' name. Good job. Turn to your neighbor and say, you feel free already, don't you? Come on. This week, church, uh, we're doing a seven-day fast starting tomorrow. You can fast, um, you know, food and just drink liquids. You can do a Daniel fast, which is fruit and vegetables. Uh, there's a range of different ways that you can fast. But I encourage you to fast and add that fasting to this four-step process on a daily basis. Uh, and I'm going to teach the fourth one because some things the Bible says, they don't come out. Some demons don't come out except through prayer and fasting. And your fasting will supercharge the power of your prayer, and it's going to bring breakthrough this week. All right. So let's get to the fourth step. Are you ready? The fourth step is about renewing our mind and rewriting what's written on our heart. Rewrite. What's written on your heart and what's written on my heart are the subconscious thoughts of my life. And the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So therefore, if we're going to change our life, we have to change our thinking and we have to work with the Holy Spirit to change our heart. I'm going to read a number of scriptures this morning. The first is Romans 12 verse 2. It says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't copy the behavior of this world. That's not how God wants us to be. He wants us to be different. But be transformed. Everybody say transformed by the renewing of your mind. Say that. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable, perfect will of God. If my life is going to change, I need to change my thoughts. That's what the Bible's telling us there. And I can work with God. The second thing, Proverbs 7, 2 and 3, says, Keep my commands and live, and my law as the apple of your eye. In the Old Testament, when they talk about commands or prophecies or law, it's talking about the Scriptures, the Bible. So make the Bible, make the Word of God the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. There's a number of times in the Old Testament it refers to our heart like a tablet, not an iPad tablet, okay, where the screen shatters and it's all broken. But like a tablet was like stone that things are engraved in. And we have things engraved into our heart through experiences and upbringing and, and, and family, family origins and family ways of doing things. And they're just there. We don't know they're there, but they're just there. They've been engraved into our heart over the years. And God wants us to unengrave them. So we're, by repenting and, and releasing people from forgiveness and releasing the pain, we're wiping the slate clean. But what we now need to do is we need to reprogram that slate. We re need to rewrite some things. And I'm going to talk to us today about how to do that. I'm going to talk about three things. Firstly, number one, how do I renew my mind? Number two, how do I rewrite what's written on my heart? And number three, what are the scriptures that I should use to do this? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 to give us an understanding of this. Hebrews 4 verse 12 says this, For the Word of God is living and powerful. That's the Bible. Sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. That's between your flesh and God thoughts. Between joints and marrow. A discerner of the thoughts 
and intents of our heart. This Word, this Bible, God's written Word, recorded in Scripture and spoken into our life, is like a sword that divides between the lies of the enemy and the truth of God. It's the Word of God that has the power to change our life. The Bible says this, the the, the Word of God, it's like a hammer that will smash the strongholds of the devil. It's like a mirror that we look into that tells us who we are now in Jesus Christ. It's like seed that's sown into our heart that will grow up and will develop and bear fruit in our lives. And it's like a sword. And I want to tell you just by the by parents here today, if you're a parent, then then don't don't underestimate the power of coming to, to church. Don't Don't underestimate the power of your kids being in kids' church right now. Don't underestimate the power of Scripture memorization because the Word of God is getting into their heart. The Word of you might not see the change now, but the Bible says train them up in the way that they should go. And when they grow old, they will not depart from them. For every parent who takes their kids to youth every Friday night, even though it's a 30-minute drive or a 40-minute drive, and you don't know what to do for those next two hours, and you're sitting around twiddling your thumbs. I tell you, it's worth it because you're getting the Word of God into their heart and the Word of God will not return to them void. Those of you who have got teenagers who are starting to say, I don't like church. Well, don't worry. Who's paying the power bills? Who's paying for food on the table? Who's, who's got a room? That's where you go. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm getting you into church. You might not love it, but you might not like school and you're going there as well. And we'll do everything we can to create an atmosphere of fun, acceptance, love and joy so that the Word of God can get into their heart and that will transform their lives. Can I get an amen today? By the way, it's the Word of God. It's not... Positive confession only. It's not a positive attitude only. It's not a mantra that you found on Pinterest that will change your life. It's this word. It's living and powerful and active. It will change your life. That's what we're going for. So here we go. So how do I, how does this work? First, I want to say this. The word of God is the key to renewing our minds and rewriting what is written on our heart. The word of God is the key. That's the thing. It's the key. It's, this is how it's going to happen. But then I want to explain, well, how do we get that word? And how does, how does the transformation happen? How's my mind renewed? How's my heart rewritten? I believe David gives us a phenomenal key in, in Psalms. And he says this in Psalm 1914, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. I want to talk this morning about the power of the words of your mouth and the power of the meditation of your heart. So the first thing is, how do I renew my mind? Well, you renew your mind quite simply like by this, by speaking the personalized word of God out loud, if we can have that up, by speaking the personalized word of God out loud is how we renew our mind. Speaking the personalized Word of God out loud. I call it creating a new soundtrack. Your mind has a soundtrack that's playing all the time, the soundtrack of your life. Uh, Doug gave us a a beautiful one about, I want to know what love is. That's awesome. I love that. Uh, You know, I don't know if you've ever heard a song and it just gets stuck in your mind, you know, like, baby shark, bum, bum, la, la. 
I'll just, I'm not going to, you know, now I'm glad that I skipped that. But in my day, it was the wiggles. It was hot potato, hot potato, hot potato. And that, once I heard that in the morning, it would go round and round in my head all day, right? That's the soundtrack of your mind. And in your mind are thoughts from lies. You know, if someone just makes an offhanded comment and it's just got something and the devil gets on it, the spirit of intimidation, and it just goes around and around in your head. You find yourself sinking emotionally. You find yourself getting, just, it triggers something that's already on your heart. And now you're cranky and irritated and angry or anxious or depressed or, or just you hate the world now. And it was just some comments and it's got on the soundtrack of your mind. And God says, okay, understand that's how you're created, but you're created to, to work with that. So that's, that's, we break the spirit of intimidation off, but we've got to reprogram our thoughts. Uh, and the tongue is the keyboard to reprogram the computer of your mind. Uh, you, you're just going to, you're going to reprogram that thing. So I'll give you a few examples. So for me, for many years, uh, when I first became, uh, when I first moved to the coast and became part of this church, I struggled with it, what I would call a poverty mindset. I, I would feel, I would judge a Christian who was prospering. Okay, thinking I was being holy, I'd judge them. Or I would struggle and feel guilty if I bought something new. And this, on the inside, I'm like, I'd feel guilty about this. So I remember when I went on our honeymoon and we, we went to a nice hotel in Brisbane and, and, we, and we didn't, you know, we could, have, we could have just gone to a backpacker's. Wouldn't have been ideal for the honeymoon. But I felt guilty about spending money on a four-star hotel in Brisbane. Why? A poverty mindset. Somehow in my upbringing, something had got written on my heart that God wants Christians to be poor. And I'd never realized that that's not what the Bible said, but I'd be, it had just got on my heart. So I, I needed to go to the Bible, and the Lord showed me a couple of scriptures, many, but a couple of particular ones, to reprogram my mind with. And one of them's in Psalm 35, verse 27. I'll show you how this works. It says, Let them shout for joy and be glad, who favor my righteous cause. So if I'm seeking the kingdom of God, and I'm building the house of God, that's, that's the righteous cause of Jesus. It says, Let them say continually, let the Lord... Lord be magnified who has pleasure in the prosperity of his servants. And I read that, and you know what? When I first read that, I thought, that can't be true. And that's the Bible. That can't be true. But I realized I'd got wrong stuff written on my heart and in my mind, so I need to reprogram. Then I read in 3 John, it says, Beloved, I want you to prosper and be in good health just as your soul prospers. So what I had to begin to do was take the sword of the Word of God and personalize it and say, Lord, I'm about your righteous cause. I'm about advancing the kingdom of God. That's my number one focus. Being rich is not my number one focus. Building your church and advancing your kingdom is my... my. So therefore... My word, Bible tells me that you delight in my prosperity. So then I have to personalize it. That tells me, Father, you are pleased when John Pierce is prospering. Father, you are delighted when John Pierce is financially being blessed. You love it when I'm blessed. It brings a smile to your face. So I'm speaking the Word of God out loud, but I'm personalizing it to reprogram my mind and my thoughts. And then every now and then I'd take a step out and do something that, that was outside of my comfort zone. And I'd, I'd, you know, I'd like, oh, okay. And I'd start to feel uncertain and insecure about this, this step. It might be buying a nice new lounge when we when we could afford it, but we could have bought a second-hand one. 
But now I'm starting to feel guilty about it. And what I've got to discern is the old me would tell me that's the Holy Spirit trying to, trying to pull me back. But then I realize it's not the Holy Spirit trying to pull me back. It's a spirit of poverty and religious thinking trying to intimidate me from enjoying my Father's blessing on my life. So I've got to go to work. Whenever I hit that boundary, whenever I hit that boundary, and I still hit that boundary, it's a lot wider now than it used to be because I understand God wants to prosper me. That is how you renew your mind. Personalize the Scripture. It won't happen overnight, but it will happen. All right. The second one, how do we rewrite what's written on my heart? How do I rewrite? I love Psalm 119, verse 11. I consider your prophecies to be my greatest treasure. He's talking about the Scriptures, the Word of God. And I memorize them, and I write them on my heart to keep me from committing sin's treason against you. The way you rewrite your heart uh, is to meditate So David said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable. So if I want to rewrite my heart, I need to meditate on the word. I'm memorizing it. Meditating on the personalized word of God is how we rewrite what's written on our heart. Meditate. So meditating means to mutter mutter over and over, but it means to visualize. It means to see yourself in the story. It means to, so rather than just quickly saying something, if it's going to take the journey from my mind to my heart, I've got to give it a bit of time and I've got to allow the Holy Spirit to, to either give me pictures or I've got to creatively engage my imagination to work with God because the imagination is not your mind, the imagination is your heart. So I've got to let the Holy Spirit, now this can happen with one encounter and God just shows you a picture And it's like, wow, that was a breakthrough moment. But for that to get in my heart, I've got to keep going back to that picture. I've got to keep imagining. So, okay, here's here's another one for me. So so growing up in, in church, I knew in my mind that God loved me. But I struggled to experience the feeling of God's love. I talked about it two weeks ago about how I needed to release forgiveness to some people because that was a blockage to experiencing God's love. But then I got to this, this point and I realized I need to partner with the Holy Spirit. So, so a scripture stood out to me in Mark 1 verse 11. And it's when Jesus got water baptized and a voice came from heaven, said, You are my son, whom I love. With you, I'm well pleased. So now that I'm a Christian and I'm in Jesus, I am his son, the Bible says. So therefore, I began to meditate on that scripture. And I would say, Father, I thank you that I am your son. I thank you that you love me and I thank you that you're well pleased with me because I'm in Jesus. And then I would, I would get pictures and I would imagine God speaking his love over me with a smile on my face because I never saw God with a smile. God, he's smiling on my face. I began to meditate on the story of the prodigal son running back to his, to his father and his father running towards him and putting his arms around him, kissing him on the neck and, and loving him. And I would imagine God running and hugging me, kissing me on the neck and just saying, you're my son. I love you and I'm well pleased with you. See what's going on? I'm meditating on the word. I'm speaking it, but I'm imagining it. There'll be times, I remember one moment in the Kiwana Community Center where the Lord gave me a picture of he and I having coffee together. 
And the, the, the scripture that comes to mind is, and you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And sometimes I'm like, Jesus, you're my friend. And I meditate on this idea that we're friends and you've prepared a table for me to enjoy with you. Or there are other times I grew up on a, on a river, just near a river in country Victoria. And I used to walk down on the river. And, and so sometimes I imagine when I'm praying uh, Psalm 23, that he leads me beside still waters. And I see that river and I see myself walking with Jesus. Just talking and talking and in conversation, but he's my friend because he loves me. And as I picture those things, the revelation of who God is has got deeper into my heart. So as I'm describing them to you, I can feel the feeling of God's love and my connection to him. Now, it didn't happen in a moment. It happened with a progressive meditating, personalizing, memorizing, visualizing, myself and God in the stories of the Scripture. Does that help anybody this morning? God wants to get that. That's how you, you rewrite what's written on your heart. So the third question to wrap up with here is what Scriptures should I use? What Scriptures should you use? Well, uh, in the seat in front of you today, there's, there's a whole list of Scriptures that you can take. Now, you can grab it. They're yours. Don't read them right now, though. Look at me. Put it in your Bible, put it in your pocket, but stay with me for the next five minutes or so. Just stay with me, stay with me, all right. Uh, so the, the first kind of scriptures that we can use is number one, our identity in Christ. When you get born again, you become, the Bible says, a new creation, a new person. You're not uh, the old you trying to be a better person. You're not the old you trying to be a Christian. You now have the DNA of Jesus Christ in your spirit. You're a new creation. Now, if you've never invited God into your life, then today's the day to make a decision to say, Jesus, come into my heart. And in a moment, the greatest transformation you could ever possibly imagine will happen when you go from being dead spiritually to alive spiritually in Christ with Jesus on the inside. It will transform you. So here's the thing, just like Jason Bourne in The Bourne Identity, he wakes up out of some trauma and he doesn't know who he is and he's got to go on a discovery journey to work out because he's got amnesia. Who am I really? So many of us, when we get born again, we don't realize exactly who we are. It's like we've got spiritual amnesia. And it's not in our mind or our heart yet. So we need to go to work to, to, uh, to know who we are in Christ. You don't have to try. It's already in your spiritual DNA. You just got to become aware of it. You got to get in touch with who you are in Christ. So if you struggle with guilt, you got to realize that now that you're in Christ, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if that was one of the things that lies on your heart, you're guilty, you're disqualified, your, your future's written off, you just get the Scripture in uh, Romans 8.1, so there is therefore now condemnation, now no condemnation for those who belong to Christ. You get the Scripture, and then you imagine yourself in a courtroom before God. And the devil, who the Bible calls the accuser of the brethren, is over there. And Father God's, he, he's, he's the judge. And Jesus is right beside you. And, and the devil's like, remember that thing that happened so many years ago. They're disqualified. How could God ever use them? How could, how could God ever forgive them? And he's bringing an accusation. But Jesus stands up and walks in front and he says, I just need to know legally when I died on that cross, it was for every sin. And therefore now, there is therefore now no condemnation. 
condemnation for you because you are covered by me. You are in Christ Jesus. And you, me- you just meditate and visualize and let the Spirit of God engage your imagination. If you struggle with rejection, you might uh, get Romans 5 verse 5 and say the love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And you see a waterfall pouring love Instead of worrying about other people, what they say or think or how you see yourself, you see God pouring love in. God pours love in. That's the first thing, our identity in Christ. The second kind of scriptures, God's promises to us. God will, God will get, and I've, I've got 25 years of just memorizing scriptures so that now I can pull them out at any moment. But there's some I would just say every day. I'll pray over my wife and say, if over Danielle, your wife will flourish in the very heart of your house. Your children will be taught of the Lord. Great will be the well-being of your children. No weapon formed against you will prosper. All those who rise up against you, you will condemn. I declared over this church when we a few hundred people, a scripture the Lord gave me. A little one will become a thousand, and we have. And then the next part says, and a small one will become a strong nation, and I will hasten it in the 20s. I mean, I will hasten it in its day. And so that's what I declare over our church, that we've become a thousand, but we'll become a great nation, even many nations. It's the Word of God, and it's powerful. Then the third thing we declare, and this is awesome, God's purpose for us. So you were created in Christ Jesus, the Bible says, for good works. You've got good works that are different to my good works. That the good works that God prepared for you beforehand. He gave you a unique gift. He gave you a unique ability. And the spirit of intimidation wants to shut you down from using the gift that God gave you. He wants to stop you from operating in the gift that God gave you. That's right. Paul wrote to Timothy and said, God, uh, stir up the gift, Timothy. God is not intimidating you. It's the other guy. He gave you love, power, and a sound mind. That's why we've got to work on our minds. Stir up the gift. So for me, early days, the scripture in Isaiah 61 was the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the good news. So I declare that over myself. For six or seven years ago, Danielle and I became the national directors for C3, overseeing about 90 churches around Australia. And just like every step of new responsibility, there came intimidation. You're not good enough. There's others who would be better at this. You're inferior to others. And I read this scripture. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 5, it said, For I consider, it's Paul, that I am not at all inferior to the most eminent of apostles. I'm like, purpose written for me. And I began to memorize that. And I began to meditate on that. And I began to see myself uh, operating in the calling that God's called on me. And I want you to see yourself operating in God's call for you. You have a call. It's significant. You have a gift. It's significant. The devil's trying to shut it down. But this church, we need you to stir up your gift. We need you to operate in what God's called you to be. We need you. We're not going to be all we could possibly be until you've stirred up the gift of God that he has for you. If it's encouragement, stir up the gift. If it's intercession, stir up the gift. If you're an evangelist, stir up the gift. If it's giving, stir up the gift, whatever it is. If you don't know what it is, then you should do our growth track. Our growth track is a survey to identify, Doug talked about it, the kind of gift that God's given you. Our growth track is in the third week of every month. You can tick tick the, the card today to sign up for growth track. I want to finish with this story. A little over time, but this is a fun one. Last year, 
when I really began to go, okay, I can, I can go after this on a daily basis and shift things, and the Lord showed me. Uh, 18 months ago, Danielle and I became the executive directors for C3 Global. So overseeing about 600 churches, supporting Pastor, Pastor Phil and Chris Pringle, really helping them uh, in a leadership role. This week, we begin the Global Presence Tour. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to New Zealand this week, so pray for us as we go to New Zealand and to be part of that. Uh, Danielle and I deeply appreciate your prayers for us in this role. And so God showed me four things to go after in this new level of influence. So He showed me four things. So I began to declare these four things every day, every day. Scriptures, meditation, uh, confessing, uh, repenting of things. Just, and I just began to surge in confidence. In October last year, uh, a, a national TV program, some of you might have seen it, did an expose about C3. And this, this expose just told a lot of rubbish about Pastor Phil. It was, it was malicious and it was, it was wrong. Um, and it was an, obviously an assignment of the devil against C3 because we're on the search trying to intimidate us. So the next morning I woke up. And I'm praying about this and I'd watched it and I was shocked because I was way more on this program than I'd imagined that I would be. And, and so I was kind of shocked and I wait up and I'm praying about this and the Holy Spirit just filled the room and he just said to me, John, everything you've been praying was declared nationally on TV last night. He said, you've been praying that, this, that our church would be a large and nationally influential church and they, pray, they played a prophecy about you influencing the nation on that program. You've been praying about the apostolic call of God on your life and you're declared as a deputy of Phil Pringle influencing the globe. You've been praying about uh, the gift of preaching on your life and God uh, um, maximizing that to make an impact and they played some clips of you preaching and I looked pretty good, let's just be honest, all right. It was okay. You've been praying about the gift of healing on your life and miracles and they called you the miracle pastor. I mean, I mean, they called you the hissing miracle pastor, but hey, we're still a miracle pastor. Oh, they called Jesus. They'd called Jesus the spitting miracle Messiah. So, I mean, if the spitting one, then hey, a little bit of sass not the end of the world. And I realized the Spirit of God said, I've been preparing you for the spirit of intimidation that's going to come against you, that's going to come against the church. And I want to tell you today, church, that no weapon formed against you, no weapon formed against us, no weapon formed against this church, no weapon formed against C3, no weapon formed against the Pentecostal Church of Australia, no weapon will prosper because God is for us. He is on our side. With Christ, we will triumph. His church will surge. The power of God is on the house of God for the future of the church. And everybody said... So whatever it is trying to intimidate you right now, whatever lie it is that's trying to shut you down right now, for one minute, I want us to give some praise. I want us to shout. I want us to declare the Word of God right across this room. Come on. Let's lift our voices. Oh God! No weapon formed against us. We are your people. We'll rise. We'll surge. Gifts stirred up. Intimidation broken. Poverty broken. Religious spirits broken. Rejection broken. The favor of God pouring out over your people. In the name of Jesus. Amen. amen.